Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. And Ryan Newman is again missing this week. He's scouting the solid verbal uh, this time. (laughs) Better have some good intel. He's been gone for a while. so Uh, We didn't pay for his, his tickets either. No, definitely not. He's paying his own way. But Trey and I were here to first take a look back at week eight. And then, of course, we'll get to the the Michigan scandal. Yeah. Um, so kind of starting out with week eight, I'll start with the, you know, one of the biggest games of the weekend. Well, Penn state, Ohio state. So Ohio state won 20 to 12, but the big picture here is it's just more of the same for Penn state and James Franklin. Like if I was a Penn state fan, in fact, like I guess even me as a neutral non Penn state fan, I wouldn't be mad losing this game but, you know, there's no shame in losing at Ohio State, but I'd be so frustrated with the offensive performance and how it just does not seem to evolve or improve enough to compete with teams like Ohio State. Like, defense, outstanding, um, but the quarterback position and some of the skill talent just doesn't scare defense. It's like, I thought this offseason I was kind of starting to buy in, but it's just more of the same. Like, I'm not writing Drew Aller off. He's still young, but we've kind of seen this history repeat itself. So I, I don't know. Um, Cause he was 18 of 42 poor throws, no threat downfield. They were one for 16 on third down. Like you're just not going to, you're not going to beat Ohio state that way. And you're not going to beat many teams that way. Um, Cause the, I mean, the defense played well, they kept the Buckeyes in check until late in the second half when, you know, the offense just couldn't stay on the field. Uh, so rough, rough. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where you just like, all right. Uh, it's not like, and no one wants to fire James Franklin or anything. You no. just want to see that that side of the ball improve. So we'll uh, we'll see how they address it moving forward. But uh, a couple other uh, big time programs had some close calls this weekend. Oof. So we've got Oklahoma and Texas. So OU against UCF. UCF had a two point conversion at the end of the game to tie. They ended up failing. Um, almost got the onside kick, but didn't quite oh, get yeah. that. So. OU escaped and you know I don't worry about that one too much like UCF got John Rice Plumley black they're not as bad as as their record so if it's just kind of a one-week thing it happens even to the to the best team so as far as Texas I'd say it's a bit more worrisome uh they they almost blew a, a big lead at Houston just because of course they already have a loss in conference and they lost uh Quinn Ewers to to an injury uh uh injury to his throwing shoulder so they will for not sure how long he'll be out but it seems like at least a few weeks they'll have malik murphy as as the the starting quarterback so we'll see what he has but um yeah you know it's it's uh that was that was not great blowing that lead and houston arguably should have had a chance to tie they they kind of got a bad spot there so yeah i got down to the 10 or whatever um, all right, I'll talk about Alabama and Tennessee, and I don't know. I guess I don't know what the national perception is, but it just feels like people need to accept that Alabama could still could still win the national championship. They are back in it, um, yeah. and it, you just you kind of watch that if you watch the end and the post game co- press conference on the field. Saban looked like he really he wanted this one. Um, gave him the cigar, you know. Of course, beat in Tennessee. He, I think, he liked getting the revenge. Went over to the student section, but I mean, they just dominated the second half because they were trailing twenty to seven. Didn't look great. Outscored the Vols twenty-seven nothing in that half. Um, 
They didn't let Heupel's, Heupel's offense, you know, do a whole lot. Heupel, you know, I will give them the Vols a little credit. They they had they, they had some fourth down gambles that didn't go their way. Um, they struggled in the red zone, which wasn't ideal. Um, but 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 overall, after this game and seeing how LSU seems to have kind of righted the ship, that LSU Bama game next week, like a week week and a half or so from now, should be outstanding. Both teams yeah. have a buy setting up for this, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it is weird. Like it just feels like Bama's having such a bad year. It just feels that way because you've had, you know, of course, the loss to Texas and then the the USF game just feels like a loss. And it does. They had, you know, close call. I mean, quote unquote, close call against Arkansas. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Just in the first half of this Tennessee game, like there's been so many times where you're like, eh, eh, Bama's just not good, but <laughs> they, they win. Yeah, mostly. Okay. Uh, well, we've got to talk about Clemson. They uh, they went down oh to a, a backup true freshman quarterback at Miami in double overtime this weekend. So they're now two and three in ACC play, which is just really terrible season for them. Um, but Mario Cristobal tried to give this game away, <laughs> this guy. as he seems to often do. So Miami, end of the game. They got the ball at their own 28. Tie game. They have a timeout. And there's a minute and a half left, and they've got one of the best kickers in the country um, who has hit you know, from as far as 55 in his career. And so you got to go try and get a field goal. Like, of course. There's, there's plenty of time. Like the, the football game is still going. You've got a chance to win. And so first play, they get six yards on a pass. Um, okay, that's fine. Go run, hurry up, run another play. Uh, but no, instead, they took forever to get lined up. Um, but then they run for a first down. So now there's... 50 seconds left clock stops you know move the chains you got the ball at the 38 you're like you're not that far from field goal like Like one play away yeah you need like 25 yards tops to get in his range um 50 seconds left and a timeout like let's go but no they took 22 seconds off the game clock until they snapped the ball threw it incomplete and then he just runs the clock out just so frustrating yeah I mean, that's not even, this isn't even analytics. Like this no, is, that, yeah. like this use, like this is, this is mind boggling. <laughs> no, it was, I, I don't know what he's doing. Like that is just, that's crazy. But anyway, um, especially like it was bad enough when they were at, you know, at the 28 at the beginning of the drive to not, you know, immediately be in hurry up. But like once they got the first down and you're like, wow, right. we're like really close. And th- that was crazy anyway. Um, but ended up working out i guess so they, they got to double overtime uh they scored a touchdown got a two-point conversion and then clemson has the ball at the inside the one fourth and goal just a, a simple handoff to to will shipley to try and get the game tied but club nick kept it and tried to run with it and just it was immediately yeah know, unsuccessful and as it turns out the play call was just a straight handoff and he yeah, just he calls the number that is yeah. That's a bold thing to do. Like that seems like something Caleb Williams would do, but if Caleb Williams would do it, it probably would have worked out. You know, it's yeah, just one he, of those. That's oh, that's a gutsy move by Club. It Nick, just but. sums up kind of how it's been going for Clemson. Yeah. Um. All right. So I gotta. We gotta touch on. I don't want to, but we gotta touch on Michigan. Michigan State. Just. I mean, the game itself, obviously meaningless. Michigan just forty nine nothing. Michigan very good. Michigan State. Not so much at the moment, but you know, obviously, so much going on with these two. I mean, you, you get the poor judgment of the 
scoreboard thing, Hitler trivia question, and then, <laughs> oh, and then this week, Mel Tucker's sexual harassment findings are coming out by the university. So, but they're kind of in a way that's kind of getting swept under because this Michigan drama um, with the sign stealing. So, Michael, we got to talk about this. So, this is personally, this is one of those times where I don't really like Twitter. It's just like everyone is on there playing cop or de- de- detective and in some cases like making things a little bit more dramatic than it is like i'm not saying the allegations should be ignored at all but it just seems like it's kind of taken a life of its own and they're like zeroing in on the stallions guy as if like he should be sent to prison or something I mean, <laughs> yeah he, he it, that's he, that guy is getting dragged through the mud maybe like a little like too going, much for something that's like it's not against the law what he was doing. Yeah. People are trying to make the argument with yeah, they're like digging but, into his family and his dad. It's like okay, you know, and you know the one thing I out of the whole thing I found very interesting is that all the the coaches around the country, it doesn't seem like anyone's interested in burying Michigan. More so, they all seem to be in agreement about how sign. Well, of course, that sign stealing, you know, on the day of the game is a thing. Yeah. And 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 how ridiculous it is that we're not using technology like they obviously have yeah. in the NFL. Um, you know, Matt Rules talked about it. Coach Prime talked about it. Brian Kelly talked about it. He even said that this isn't the first we've heard about stealing signs and in advanced games. Like we just roll with it. So I don't know. Yeah, it is. It is a. I think the rule is dumb. Like, well, for well, first of all, they should have technology. You know, yeah, yeah. microphones uh, in the headset that would. That, that would solve this whole thing in the in the helmet but um but okay we don't have that but even the rule that you're not allowed to send scouts to other games like the games are played in front of a hundred thousand people like yeah it's a public game like it, I, it seems kind of dumb that you shouldn't be allowed to, but it is i'm you know schools wanting to save money and whatnot and the small schools right. not wanting to have to send all these staffers around but but it is a rule so so yep. it is what it is and so this is a pretty blatant violation it seems like every news story every further news story that comes out i hear you about twitter being kind of crazy right now but this story is kind of fun though because it's one of those stories that like like there's not you know it's not that bad like what michigan no, did that's the it's, thing is what i'm it's they're doing it's quite a scheme that they've apparently allegedly been running but it's also like you said it's not that bad. like like more morally me i mean like in the in the scheme of things but yes. uh but competitively I mean, I get it seems pretty bad. Like that's that's a pretty yeah pretty blatant violation of this rule, and seems right. I, I'd have no idea. Like I I really wonder. I I wish there was some omniscient being who would could tell us what like how much did this help them? Like did they win an extra game a year? Did they win two? Did they win? It was it not really even that much? Like I don't know. I just would be very very curious. But uh, I mean, obviously Kelly. Brian yeah. Kelly, one of his quotes was obviously, I don't know if he was talking about, he mentioned something about we've heard um, advanced scouting before, but this quote that he said, maybe it wasn't in relation to that, but he said, as far as sign stealing, he said, I've never, I've never lost a game and gone into my office and said, you know, we got got someone stole our signals and that's why we lost. Like, so, yeah. but yeah, we don't, we don't know the answer. Yeah. But uh, it, and often with these stories, like the the Tennessee um, whatever McDonald's cash in the McDonald's oh. bag, you know that's all the all these stories. It seems like right away it's huge, and then eventually like nothing really happens. This one feels bigger. Like it feels like there yeah. will be some sort of punishment. I don't know what 
But the question is, will it happen this year? Like that would be crazy and unprecedented or not. I don't know if it's unprecedented, but it's not the way things have been going recently. Um, But the big 10 could step in and do something. And, and also just, even if, if nothing happens this year, it's big because how could this affect Harbaugh in the off season? Uh Like, He's already been flirting with the NFL. He might have left anyway, but now with this whole scandal, maybe in the offseason, he's more likely to just say, I'm out of here. Like, I'm, I'm not going to deal with all this stuff and, and go to the NFL. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's no, it's a, it's a crazy factor. story, but it's I, I do feel bad for Michigan fans. Like, you're number one in the country. Oh. You've, you've kind of had a rough go of it, you know, compared to, like, Ohio State the last 15 years. And finally, you're great, and this could be your national title year. And... Like Maybe it still will be, but you just, <laughs> and even if you do, everyone's gonna, I know, because <laughs> you're stealing signs, but yeah, whatever. But hey, we'll from see. this point on, they're the, they're going to be the safest team out there as far as they're not going to be doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's but, a good point. You think they'll even try game day to be stealing signs? Like that, yeah, that's no, allowed. Right. I don't even yeah. know if they'll be doing that. Just, everyone, they're just going to put like a blinders <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, crazy. What a crazy story. Yeah. All right. Should we Did move you have on? Or no, I've got away? one more. I've got one more takeaway. That's right. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, well, kind of anticlimactic after this, but Iowa. Got to talk oh, about dear. Iowa. Oh, they, uh, they almost did it again. Typical Iowa game against Minnesota, just really ugly, no offense. And they were down 12 to 10 with like a minute and a half left. They return a punt for a touchdown. That's pretty much it. They're going to win but it gets called back for an invalid fair catch signal, yeah. which I, if you look at the rule, it's it's technically, I think it was the correct call, but you do, it does seem rarely to be called. So I, yeah. you know, kind of a rough, if, a rough one. People are thinking that are getting it confused where like he, they think he had to, you have to raise your hand up, but what he did was, it looks like more like called, you know, Peter, Peter, or get yeah, away, he was away. telling his own team to get away do. from it. But it was, it's very subtle. Like you said, it, it, it probably isn't called consistently. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like it, at least. Um, I, I did okay. see one crazy stat about this weekend is Washington. I'm not going to get into the game, but they, they, they oh. barely beat Arizona State, which was bizarre. They almost probably should have lost. But they won their, it was their first game they've won without an offensive touchdown since 2001, which I don't know how. I mean, that's compared to other not, teams, you know. I know, I was going to say, like, I've, I feel like I mean Iowa. They they do that every other week, but yeah, right. It's I'm sure. it's hard to win a game without an offensive touchdown. So I would is. be curious to hear that stat for uh, but seeing for it. But that was it was interesting. That's just wild though. That against Arizona State, Washington, like what we thought was the best offense of the country, or maybe it still is, but bizarre. It's crazy. All, All right. right, so we can look forward here to Week Nine and. Uh, all sorry all i'm started. just checking checking wemby's uh box score you know oh yeah the the chosen what uh how's he doing he's uh six for eight uh 15 points five boards three of five pretty, from three. Ooh, that's yeah he's that's a pretty good start it's uh yeah tie game down down the stretch a little, little nba talk for the podcast How about that when when uh, wemby's a hall of famer in uh you know, 25 we years. We'll, back to this. We can look back at this. We were say, the hey. first podcast to talk about his first game. <laughs> we were. We were. <laughs> uh, all right. We will enshrine him in the Hall of Fame. All right. I wish um, we're, we're going to talk about Oklahoma at Kansas. Oklahoma is favored 10. And 
I wish Jalen Daniels was was healthy because it's just the Jayhawks have a different offense with him in. Leipold said he's doubtful or questionable in this one. So with that, I'm going to take the Sooners. Um, I think last week against Central Florida, um, just a little wake-up call for them. Kind of, I'm, I have the same opinion as you, Mike. I, I think, and I also like the matchup because Jason Bean isn't as much of a threat, you know, to run the ball like Daniels is, of course, and not as athletically um, uh, gifted as like Plumlee last week that gave him some troubles. The J and the Jayhawk defense isn't that great, so you know they give up about 400 a game, 400 yards a game. Dylan Gabriel should be able to put up some numbers, and I just don't see the Jayhawks keeping pace with them. All righty. Uh, next up, we have Georgia against Florida, and Bulldogs are favored 14 and a half in this one. What do you think here? So the way I look at this, I think we're going to learn a lot in this one. You know, how much does losing Brock Bowers hurt the Georgia offense? And then on the other side, like have the Gators really righted the ship? And I'm going to give the Gators here a shot and take them. And I'm actually going to make them my lock of the week this week. Oh, wow. bold! I but, wasn't um, ready for that. Here we go. I, uh, yeah, I just so they had a, they've had a, a week off. Right before that, they had a nice comeback victory on the road at South Carolina um, to give them some confidence. Here, Graham Mertz had a career day in that one. Actually, been playing all right. You know, he's not hurting them. And oh. and then when I look at Georgia, I just I don't know. I still don't know how good they are. Um, and that's why I'm I don't want to give more than two touchdowns with them. Um, they haven't played much competition, been in a couple close dogfights so far. You know, of course, Bowers is their biggest offensive weapon that they have. So who's going to step up for for Beck on the outside? Maybe they'll just r- try and run it down the Gators' throats, which that could be the the recipe. But I, I'm just looking forward to seeing more about these teams. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I I completely agree. Like the way Graham Mertz has played, it's not like Georgia's pass rush is is insane. So I think he'll have some time to at least make some plays and it's not like i'm thinking that they won't necessarily need to score a ton to um yeah to get the cover here you're getting plus 14 and a half and yeah georgia without bowers it's not a a super high total here so yeah I, i like the pick all right moving on another good one pac 12 oregon is favored six and a half at utah i love oregon here um, I think Whoa. they have the the talent and the coaching defensively to shut down this Utah offense. I don't think the Utah Utah offense is any good. Of course, no. USC at times last week made them look that way, but that's <laughs> yeah. that's USC. Um, and obviously, we don't every week. I mean, it's it has seemed kind of clear that Cam Rising wasn't coming back anytime soon, and now it's official. He's going to be out for the year, so yeah. don't have to worry about that. Um, unfortunately for for Utah. And then offensively, Oregon is in the discussion for for the best in the country. So uh, I like Oregon to win here. I'm going to also pick them to win out. I'm going to pick them to make the playoff. I'm pick Bo Nix to win the Heisman. I'm locking all in. in. All in on the Ducks. I am. Um, yeah, and, you know, I guess when you hear Oregon favored six and a half, it just seems like a lot naturally to give at Utah with you know such a tough place to play. But I agree. I'm I'm going with the Ducks. Um, I just don't think they can keep up with Bo Nix's offense because Utah's offense ranks 75th um, in the ESPN's efficiency metric. And the and and like you said, they were able to have some success against SC. But the difference is, is Oregon's defense is is better than than SC's. They'll be able to get the Utes off the field more. And and there's just no way. I well, not no way. I just don't foresee 
Barnes maintaining lighting it up to to keep pace with that duck offense yeah uh okay next up we got uh, a ranked matchup between duke and louisville uh saw that one coming for the season yeah louisville is favored four and of course with uh we didn't even mention north carolina's loss to virginia last not week Oof. yeah not good at all that uh, kind of opens the door here for uh acc title race yeah um I'm going to go with Louisville here for a couple of reasons. One, because on the Duke side, I don't think Riley Leonard is going to go. And if he does, um, he's not 100%, as we saw in last week's game against Florida State. I mean, they, they if a healthy Riley Leonard, they they probably would have beaten Florida State the way that game was, way game was going. But um, I probably would back them if they had a full go Leonard, just because I do like their their defense under Elko. But the backup, Belin, I think he's going to put them in some tough spots. Uh, especially since Louisville has a, a solid defense. Um, but the the second reason is I, I, I'm going with Louisville is because I feel like the situation is good. They've got a buy. They're at home, coming off a game where they got a wake-up call, their first loss of the season at Pitt, bad taste in their mouth. So I'm going with the Cardinal. I'm with you because, yeah, I mean, with Leonard day-to-day, but even, like you said, even if he does play, that ankle injury could could be lingering, and, and his running ability is, is his biggest thing. So um yeah either way I, I like louisville here and and arguably louisville's defense is is just as good as duke so i, I think yeah. it could be uh could be a tough one for the duke offense it is all right let's go to tennessee is favored three and a half at kentucky i personally i don't like this game i <laughs> this line this line it seems short but i'm gonna take the vols even though it's their second straight road game they just had that disappointing loss to Alabama. But I, mean, I look at Kentucky. They haven't shown well the last couple weeks. Um, against Georgia, they got smoked. Then they lost by three scores at home to Missouri. You know, I like I said, I know ten, the Vols might be a little disappointed because not only did they lose to Alabama, but their their East Division shot is is pretty much kaput. Um, uh, so I'm gonna, but I am gonna take the half glass half full with them because you look at it. They dominated the Tide for the first half. Uh, that second half changed a lot thanks to a defensive touchdown, some missed fourth down um, attempts. So I don't think it's as bad as it seems, and I think they'll bounce back. Okay, uh, last game here, Ohio State minus 14.5 at Wisconsin. I you know, I don't totally trust the Ohio State offense to light up the scoreboard against any good defense. Um, you know, Against the best defenses they've played, they've been kind of just so-so. But their defense is so good, and yeah. Wisconsin's offense has been so underwhelming that I'm willing to lay the points. I don't see Braden Locke having much success here. I think this has the potential to be kind of a, a blow-up game for him. I could see him turning it over a couple times and and uh, you know Marvin Harrison Jr. covering the, the spread by himself. So laying yeah. the points. Uh, but let's uh, close out this episode with a questionable finish. All right, so we got a question from our patron, Shrew. He says, if you were able to join your favorite team's staff, how far would you go to get your team to win a national championship? Shrew is a Michigan fan, so it's an appropriate question. Michael, I can't hear our music. I hear it. Oh, okay, I'll, oh, I'll turn it up. I'll, I'll turn it no, up. Yeah, there it is. I let's, just like listening go. to it. There we go. Uh, now back to the question. I think I would do what every rational human being would do, and I would I would leave my wife and kids to be the head coach's servant. 
Wow. Okay, yeah. so you'd be Matt Rule's servant. Yes. Um, I would. Uh, I would not be. I would not do that. I would not be willing to break <laughs> any rules either. Like I'm. I don't want to. You know, be yeah. the reason that a, a national title gets uh, vacated or something like that. But I would be willing to call the defensive plays for Lincoln Riley if he asked me. Oh, it probably it couldn't go much worse. So yes. I'd give it a shot. <laughs> Good point. Uh, Rutgers Todd has a question is army joining the American a good call and why and he says Trey clearly your answer is yes it is yes though I I just think it's good for both parties it gives them consistent teams to play new mini rivalries it gives them something to play for each week um, you know outside of their because they can fight for a division or conference title not just solely focused on the Air Force and Navy Navy games so I like it completely agree I, I like it as well uh, last uh, patron question from ETH. He says, outside of the current AP Top 25, which head coaching job seems the most appealing? And then on the other side, inside the Top 25, which seems the least appealing? Lead us off, Mike. Lead us. I think we're going to have the same answers. I Probably. So, well, I don't know about that. Outside the Top 25, I think we will. Because that, that one comes down to two schools, right? Do you think? It depends on how you answer it, yeah. Well, true, true. Okay, well, I said Florida. Okay, be- yeah. Because they got a great recruiting base, great fan base. They've yep. got they've won national titles, you know, somewhat recently. Proof is in the pudding there. Like you just need the right coach. I that I agree there. But A and M, I considered A and M. A and M is one. They got the Again, go. A and M is one. Yeah, but then I was thinking too, like if you wanted to go, what if you wanted to go to Clemson? No, know. that's true. That's an option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, I Florida was my answer. Okay. Um, so inside the top twenty-five, the least appealing. This one, it, it just depends on how you look at it. I guess I will say Duke, just because. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just because it's a basketball school, and true. they just have such a bad history. They've finished ranked once since nineteen sixty, um, and I know they're good now, but. It just almost makes it even worse because following up Mike Elko would just be a tough act to follow. Although, would you want, would you say Alabama because he didn't want to follow Nick Saban? That would be. Well, but that one, you know, I'd no, well, I'm, got will, built uh, in. I'm willing to take yeah. that risk with the, uh, yeah. No, I, I agree. I would say I was between Oregon State. Yeah, I thought about that. Even even if you ignore the the fact that the Pac-12 is dissolving, that's just such a tough place to to recruit. Like Jonathan Smith, Smith is doing an outstanding yeah. job. Now with the realignment, I wouldn't touch it. But I was, yeah, and that's just such a bummer because the fans are you know if you chose one of the G5 schools in the top twenty-five, at least they're used to being in the G5. With Oregon right. State, they're about to like drop down a level, and it's that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, I also was thinking like Missouri, just because it's such a tough hill to climb in the sec especially now with texas and oklahoma coming over yeah but wait what's your what was your answer oh i i said oregon state oh it is oregon state. okay yeah okay all right let's get to our upset specials last week i hit it again i had Ooh. unfortunately usc going down to utah oh, right just didn't feel like they deserved to be a touchdown favorite over a, a, a good team with a really good defense and this week it doesn't feel like they should be a double-digit favorite on the road against anybody, you know, yeah. a conference opponent. They're playing at Cal, favored 10 and a half. And I don't know. I mean, Cal's coming off of a bye. USC playing in its sixth straight game without a bye. 
two straight losses for SC and kind of like realistically ending their dreams for the season. So I could see a, a lackluster effort or even if they give full effort, like they could still go down. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I'm going to go off the radar here. Rice is catching 10 and a half against number 22 Tulane. The Green Wave, they're good, but they they don't run away and hide always. And JT Daniels for Rice has has had a big year, Uh, so maybe he could put some points up on the Green Wave. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the College Football Bros. I think Ryan's going to be back next week. He better, or else we're just kicking him off. Yeah, it's just we're going to rename this to the... Uh, well, we can still keep it college football, yeah, bros. Right. It still works. Still works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah. Thanks again. Um, if would really appreciate if you left five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We will read them on next week's show if you do. Um, and you can subscribe to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash College Football Bros. Uh, other than that, we'll see you next time. <laughs>